It's the in-wheel time car talk show. Just ahead, ever wondered about how safe your passengers are in the back seat or yourself if you're sitting in the back seat or cared? (laughs) Consumer Reports' Emily Thomas talks about rear seat safety features, and I think you're going to be surprised. Conrad will have this week in auto history, and we'll get you updated on the stories making car news this week. Howdy, along with Mike out of this world, Mars. King Conrad DeLong. We need more Jeff Zekin. I'm Don Armstrong. Glad you could join us today. Thanks so much. Now, direct to Consumer Reports and Emily Thomas. Emily, a pleasant Saturday morning to you. Thanks for getting up and putting on makeup and looking all fit and fiddle up there. Uh, And we appreciate it. So thanks for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. So Consumer Reports, rear seat safety. You know, I don't think that anybody really has thought about rear seat safety in quite a long time. However, Conrad brought up earlier today when we were talking about uh, our interview with you, the fact that more thought has been given recently about rear seat safety. And it's one of those things that we'd like to hear from you on this. Tell me what you guys looked at. Yeah, so Consumer Reports evaluation is looking for the presence and absence of key proven safety technologies that have been implemented in the front seat, but perhaps haven't necessarily made their way into the back, but we we know that they are effective. And so we want to see them um, implemented more in the back seat. And then we're also looking at technologies and um, child seat fit, booster fit, things of that nature. So really the purpose of the evaluation is to capture all the demographics that could possibly be a rear passenger right, going from, you know, your small children all the way up to perhaps um, grandparents or just even, you know, people that are using rideshare, adult occupants, things of that nature. We want to make sure that everyone who sits in the back seat is getting as much safety available to them as possible. A couple of thoughts come to mind. One is rear seat uh, airbags uh, that most cars up until just recently haven't been fitted with. I, Maybe I been the side curtain airbags, are, yeah. and there's also the car seat tether that I understand has changed in the last, uh, I don't know, some time. Uh, because I know when I had young children, basically all it was was a latch, a hook that you could take the the actual car seat car seat tether and hook it into so the thing wouldn't fall forward. But I understand that uh, things have moved along in that technology. Yeah, so for car seat fitment, we look at a seatbelt installation as well as latch accessibility. So those lower anchors that you find at the seat crease in the outboard seating position and those top tether hooks that you're talking about. Um, IIHS, the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety, they do a latch assessment for all of their test cars. And um, as a result, those anchors have become a lot more accessible and much more easy to use. However, for car seat installations, um, those latch anchors are typically, or those lower anchors are typically not available in the center seat. And we know a lot of people wanna be able to install their car seats in the center. And there's a weight limit on those anchors. So you eventually have to move over to a seatbelt installation. So our evaluation really focuses on whether or not you can get a secure seatbelt installation in each unique rear seating position for all the orientations of the car seat that you're using. So, let me, so we do. 
Excuse me. Go I ahead. Was, I was saying, so you not only look at the, the car itself and the design of the seat and the latches, but you also work with the manufacturers of the car seat itself? We choose four car seats that essentially have challenging geometry and try to install them in each test car. And essentially the idea being, if you can get a secure fit with one of these really challenging seats, then the likelihood that you can get a secure fit for a less challenging um, car seat is pretty high. So that's one aspect that we look at. We look at whether or not you can fit um, three car seats across the rear seat. And then in terms of other aspects of child safety, we're looking at booster fit. You know, how well does the booster sit in each seating position, buckle access for the kids. Um, My five-year-old is recently transitioned to a booster, so I'm seeing it in my everyday life also, how hard it is for him to access some of the buckles on his own and be able to buckle himself. Um, We also look at a newer technology that prevents um, uh, heat stroke in vehicles, so uh, rear occupant alerts that would provide you with a reminder at the end of the trip, but we are also optimally looking for systems that use occupant sensing, even if you've exited the vehicle, to alert you to motion in the car and, you know, really try to reduce these um, vehicular heat stroke cases. And, and isn't that one of the real big difficulties with rear child seats is, you know, everybody has the baby shower and somebody gives them a child seat, but nobody gives them the training how to install it correctly for the, true, yeah. the, the child that's in there. You know, that, that training, I think, is hypercritical to making sure that they know how to put it in correctly. Absolutely. Yeah, there isn't, unfortunately, any parent classes to support child seat installations, but thankfully there are thousands of uh, certified child passenger safety technicians across the country, and you can go to NHTSA's website. You can go to um, seatcheck.org, and it'll show you towards the bottom how to find a car seat inspection station near you. You put in your zip code and it'll tell you um, various places in your area where there are certified technicians available to check your installation and go over with you how to do all the various aspects of it. So there are tons of people that are willing and you know certified to be able to help and make it an easier thing to do. But you're totally right. Even if you're gifted a car seat, it's really important for you to install it in your car and make sure you can get a good secure fit because that's really the safest car seat for your child is one that you can securely install in your vehicle every single time and that you can properly harness your child into. So this goes not only for sedans, four-door vehicles, or the back seat of an SUV. Does it flow over into the third row of some of these larger SUVs? And once you put it in there and you've got a child, like you said, you have a five-year-old that transitioned to do a, a booster, a jump seat, you pretty much leave it in there. I mean, you pretty much secure it, and it's secure for whatever time that child is raised to the next level, correct? Yeah, so you would leave it in there. You should check your installation from time to time because as the vehicle's moving around, you know, it could get a little bit loose. So you always want to make sure that it's tight enough. And in the third row, there is oftentimes even fewer lower anchors available, right? So you might have one set of lower anchors there. So you really need to make sure that if you're in the third row, you have a third row vehicle, you're looking at those seatbelt installations. Um, and you are going to leave it there until your child is, you know, ready for the next transition, whatever that may be. 
But you also want to think about your children that are out of car seats. You know, once our children transition out of, you know, their booster seats and now they're using the vehicle seatbelt, you know, we kind of stop maybe thinking about them as kids in the back seat and, you know, oh, okay, we need to worry about their safety as much. But really, it's it's just as important, even for those booster age kids. Rear head restraints are super important. Um, advanced restraint systems on those seatbelts are really important. You want to make sure, especially when your child is in a booster and beyond, and they're relying on the vehicle seatbelt and on the vehicle's crash management system, that they have the most available to them. Yeah, because an improperly uh, installed installed yeah. child seat or a child in the back that's not properly restrained in an accident becomes a projectile yeah. as well. Right. You know, so now that not only endangers the rear passenger, it endangers the front passenger. Well, let's go one step further and talk about child car seats in general. Does Consumer Report uh, actually uh, have uh, a test uh, availability for those seats? Because let's face it, I mean, there's a thousand different car seats out there. I want the best from my child, and I don't care how much it costs. I'm going to do my best to be able to afford that one. Yeah, so Consumer Reports does have its own child seat evaluation program. And so what we do there is we evaluate three things. We look at ease of use. We look at fit to vehicle and crash protection. And because our philosophy is that you can't get optimal crash protection if you can't secure the the car seat inside your vehicle or properly use the car seat. Um, we really weight the fit to vehicle and ease of use portions of our evaluation higher than crash protection even. Um, but essentially what we're looking at is an ease of use. Can you make the harness adjustments, buckle adjustments? You know, Can you access the um, belt path and things of that nature? How easily is it to do that? How easy is it to misuse the um, car seat because of how they've designed these different components? In fit to vehicle, where I was saying on the vehicle test program, we have four car seats that we put in every test car. On the child seat program, we have five test vehicles that we put every single car seat into that we evaluate. And so we are, we chose these five vehicles because of um, the challenging seat designs and belt geometry that they have because they are, you know, typical family size vehicles. So there are some that have two rows some that have three, um, some that are kind of your smaller family cars, and then to your very large SUVs, minivans. Um, and we put each child seat in these test cars in every unique seating position. And in our ratings right now, we have over 100 car seats that are rated, and that amounts to about Ooh. over 4,000 installations that have gone wow. into our fit-to-vehicle ratings, really. So in, in Don's scenario of he wants the best car seat, that may be different depending on what kind of car he has. Absolutely. It might be different depending on what kind of car it is, which is why we always say, you know, check the ratings, look at ease of use, look at fit to vehicle, look at crash protection. And then before you really nail down that seat, you know, you might need to buy a couple different seats, try them out in your vehicle. And if it doesn't, if you can't get that secure installation, then that's not the seat for your family. So, you know, you want to be able to return that car seat and get something else. So the other part of our evaluation is crash protection, and we do um, independent testing of the seats. We basically are looking to see what additional margins of um, safety is being provided by the seats, because all car seats that are sold in the U.S., they have to meet the regulatory standard. So they're all safe for this basic um, standard of safety, right, this minimum standard of safety. And our evaluation goes a step further. We test at a higher energy 
pulse. We use um, a real vehicle seat on our test bench. We simulate a front seat back because if you've sat in the back seat of any car, oh, you sure. know there's a front seat in front of you. The government test does not have that. So ours is really meant to be more representative of current vehicle um, rear seat environments and geometries and stiffness. And so um, our evaluation is looking at these additional margins of safety that a car seat can provide so that you can differentiate it against its peers. And let's so we, not forget. You know, Yes, I was just going to say, and let's not forget, on some of these cars or SUVs, a lot of them now have screens on the back of the front seat, which could affect the person that's sitting in the back seat in the event of a crash. You're talking about video screens. Yeah. Right. There's all these different things that are um, in the vehicles now. And so even for our simulated front seat back, you know, we take the regulatory standard that um, – defines, you know, kind of how soft the surface is where a head might hit in the rear seat. We take that standard, we took foam that's compliant to that and extended it for the whole length of the front seat back, um, trying to be forward thinking about, you know, maybe eventually at some point we'll be able to to take that compliance and move it below just where like an adult's head would strike, but also where a child's head would strike. And we're looking for that that interaction that could potentially happen between the child's head and the front seat back, especially in a rear facing car seat. Um, but in the laboratory, you know, we are limited to one um, crash direction that, you know, we can do repeatably. And so in the real world, we know that crashes are typically multiple events, right? You're not just having a singular impact necessarily. And so we are looking to see if there are any structural integrity issues that happen in our testing that might impact the uh, or compromise the car seat's ability to either retain um, the child or stay secure to the vehicle seat in that very likely scenario of a subsequent crash event within the same crash in the real world. Sure, there's a big difference between crashing into another car and having the car roll over. Right. Or, or, it? or pinballing yes. through. Are, exactly. Are there any considerations made with the research and development of this for the EVs, knowing that the batteries are in the, the lower part of the vehicle? Are there, are there anything? Center of gravity yeah, change. Yes, center of gravity change. But is there anything specific that you look for on an EV, or are there engineering things designed differently? So in our evaluations, we're not doing those types of considerations because we don't do vehicle crash testing. So really, you know, when the manufacturers are designing their cars, they have to do their own set of testing. And the car seat manufacturers, as they see the industry and the design of vehicles changing, they're doing their own due diligence as well. But when we're looking at installations, you know, we're trying to make sure that you're really tying that car seat well to the vehicle to optimize on the vehicle's crash management system. Okay. So regardless of what type of vehicle it is, if that's attachment to, from the car seat to the vehicle is secure, then you're really going to be able to benefit from what design the vehicle has. Well, Emily, uh, listen, we could probably ask you a thousand more questions, but I know that uh, it is a Saturday, even where you live, and uh, we're going <laughs> to let you get back to your life. But we sure appreciate you taking the time. Very informative. To, yes, Thank you. very Absolutely. very much so. And uh, hope to have you back again. Next test that you have, be sure and give us a ring, and let's talk about it. Very good. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate Thank you. You it. bet. Thank you. Bet. Yeah. Emily Thomas with uh, Consumer Reports. Always Very love cool. talking to I, Consumer I, Reports. I had posted her uh, seatcheck.org website as well as consumerreport.cr.org. 
because that seatcheck.org, what a great uh, bit of information that there are places here in Houston you can bring your seat yeah, and, and your yeah, car, did not and they'll, know that. they'll yeah, teach yeah. you how to mount it correctly because I think so many people have no clue how to mount it. Well, you know, I'm going to be a grandfather in right. March. I'm pretty excited about <laughs> Mike, that. Mike, it makes you want to go out and have more kids, doesn't it? No. Uh, and so I know that uh, I am going to have some input in the car seat realm for the new baby. Yeah, and you, get, you get to buy it. Probably. And, and install it. And the other thing is is that, um, you know, where am I going to buy one for my car? you got to put one in the Corvette. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. No. Because the, cor- the Corvette, you know, you're not su- that's supposed to be a rear-facing seat. Not with a frontal airbag. Well, with a front airbag. Now, you can turn off that front airbag. Yeah. And uh, typically, that's what you're... You've turned three of those airbags off. Oh! Oh! <laughs> Had to. <laughs> you guys did He's it on your own last there. week. No, he did. <laughs> Gee whiz. Sorry. No, uh, don't that, be that sorry. Was, that was a pretty good uh, one. That was good. <laughs> we might have to use that again somewhere. <laughs> Michael, Michael sent me that little clip, and uh, we could play it over and over and over again. It, like oh, yeah. It could me. be your ringtone. <laughs> <laughs> that and the donkey. The donkey and that, that yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's Holland Donkey. Holland Donkey. All right. Lovely. Time now for this week in auto history. Right. Well, dun, and, uh, dun, that's your cue. I, I know it's my cue. I'm, uh, Mars has done some fun stuff, so I wanted to give him his chance Ooh. of the, the dancing skeletons. In 1902 this week, according to the book by Henry Leland, Master of Precision, the final assembly of the very first Cadillac took place yes. this week. I thought Jeff yes. would be excited oh, I'm about excited. that. I'm excited. And, you uh, were there when that happened. Yeah, I, think 1902? I, was. I was there looking in the background there. In 1919, Rolls-Royce of America was in, established, and the luxurious motor cars proved to be the favorite means of transport of America's elite during the Roaring Twenties. Wow. Did you know that Rolls-Royce built cars from 1921 through 1926 in Springfield, Massachusetts? I did not realize and that. And they're still recalling a couple. And no, Well, no, but, um, <laughs> you know, how cool was that? The uh, That's a silver I thought cloud. That, I thought that those were all built in England. Nope, they, they built them in Springfield, Massachusetts. They don't build them there years. anymore. No, no, they stopped in 26. In 1920, Harley-Davidson registered Harley-Davidson trademark um, for their motorcycles, bicycles, sidecars, and parcel cars. Hmm. You know, I, I didn't realize What's that. What's a parcel car? It would be like a trike with a, a box on the back of it. Oh, kind of like the old uh, police things that yeah. they used yeah. to run around the Astrodome. Uh, uh, like a little three-wheeler a thing. A tuk-tuk. A tuk-tuk. A tuk-tuk. A tuk-tuk. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, tuk-tuk. In, in 1936, the first <laughs> Volkswagen like test drive of the 1936 <laughs> prototype was uh, this week in history. That's it. Uh, yep, that's asking to be tubbed out. So that was that was waiting <laughs> for it to get uh, bugged. It looks like but a that bug was eye. the uh, Type One prototype. I'll be. In 19- it still does it still exist? I wonder. Yeah, it's in a museum over in uh, Wiesach, Germany, or something like that. Okay. In 1965, the MGB GT goes on sale. I like that. Car. I, I, I like that car as well. 
um, offered with a different cabin. Pininfarina did the interior on the car. Uh, a little bit of a utilitary station wagon with the sportiness of a hatchback. And actually, the GT was available with the 3.5-liter V8 in it. What? Relatively rare car. And it's, I'm going to put it up on a unicorn hunting. I, I, I learned about this. I did not realize that you could get a V8 in this. I didn't realize that either. Yeah, really. And it's that same little 3.5 liter V8 that Oldsmobile had used in 61 and 62 that Buick had built. And they sold it to British Leland in 1964. That little, that was that little aluminum one? That all aluminum Yeah, the, yeah 215. 215 cubic inches. And it's gone on through evolution uh, that it was in Range Rovers up until, what, the mid-2000s? Hmm. So they, they've really gotten good use out of that. Uh, but, yeah, I, I thought that was a great story. When I, when I read this, I'm like, that would be a great unicorn hunting story. In 1975, DeLorean Motor Company was founded uh, by John DeLorean, um, which led to the DMC-12, which was the star of uh, Back to the Future. When did it come out, 77? Uh, uh, when was it out? Uh, 82, 81 or 82. Okay. Couldn't tell you. And then in 2006, uh, the last Ford Taurus rolled off the assembly line Thank in Hapeville, Georgia. Uh, the keys to that silver car went to Truett Cathy, the owner of Chick-fil-A. Oh. And he put it in his museum for, and he's got a whole big collection of, well, he did, he's dead. Yeah, well, yeah, but there, there was still a big collection of cars, and his car collection was kind of more of the uh, Ford Taurus stuff, not a muscle car or, a, you know, a high-end car collection. But in his collection, so, you could not look at it on Sundays. You, no, no, that was, he's a faithful man. So that is this week in auto history. Well, that was short and sweet. It was sweet. But that's good. Yeah. All right. Yeah, biggest thing I, I learned in this one was the uh, the MGB GT, and uh, I had no clue it had. I a knew about the Springfield, Massachusetts production of uh, of the uh, Rolls Royce, but I think that's an yeah. interesting bit of information. And part part of the reason they did that though is because the the one of the presidents, there was a couple of the presidents had them, and they needed to get them worked on, and they got they wouldn't ship them back, so they created the place to help work on them, okay. and that was part of the package of doing it. My favorite was the Cadillac. Remember me telling you a remember? few weeks ago, remember, 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 I remember. Uh, that the thieves were stealing brand new cars off of the holding lot outside the factories. Yes, up in Detroit. I know where you're going with this. An armed robbery of a U.S. postal carrier helped police begin to unravel a crime ring that has stolen numerous muscle cars and other expensive vehicles from auto plants and dealerships in the Detroit area. When officers caught the man suspected of robbing the postal worker outside Cleveland, they found three high-priced stolen vehicles at his home, a Ram 1500 TRX, Land Rover Range Rover, and a Dodge Hellcat. Uh, That led to federal indictments in June against four Ohio men on charges of conspiracy and interstate transport of stolen vehicles. One of the men told the FBI that he and another defendant communicated through Instagram with people in the Detroit area about obtaining stolen vehicles, according to prosecutors. They said thieves also sold the vehicles, originally worth fifty to $100,000, for $3,500 oh my gosh, to yeah. $1,500 to car. buyers in Chicago, Indianapolis, and cities near East Coast shipping ports. Investigators say the thieves started the vehicles using handheld 
electronic pro pads. <clears throat> Thieves also hit several Ford like plants, stealing 150 Raptors and Mustangs. At a suburban Detroit dealership last year, thieves crashed a ram through a glass wall, then drove other cars in the showroom out through the same hole. <clears throat> Police found a Dodge Durango SRT There's Hellcat a joke in there somewhere. taken yeah, after the driver smashed into the brick wall trying to get away. Three other vehicles were later recovered as well. Jeff Schneider, general manager of the dealership, in Highland Township, said employees are now using an old-school method to discourage thieves. Parking boots. He said it's a deterrent that works amazingly. We put boots on all of the Hellcats. <clears throat> so end of that story. Hey, boots, but Boots are uh, made for walking. <clears throat> Pussin boots. Yeah. Or get a club. I imagine they were employees, too. They were stealing these. Or yeah, somebody. Probably. Involved. Inside. Yeah, out. yeah inside. Um, put a club on it. Let me, I'm, I'm thumbing through this real quick because I've only right. got another minute to go. Um <clears throat> Major blaze in South Korea has knocked out a wide range of key digital services for days, snarling banking, ride-sharing, and online deliveries. It's reigniting safety concerns in a nation that's a key global supplier of lithium-ion cells used in electric vehicles. The days-long outage followed a fire October 15th at a data center in Pangyo, engulfing batteries used in backup power systems and impacting key local tech firms, including Kakao Corporation, South Korea's almost ubiquitous social media giant and provider of the country's most popular instant messaging service. And they're still trying to figure out how to put the fire out. Unbelievable. So did you hear Dodge is still trying to fine-tune the Charger EV's exhaust note? That, that I read that somewhere, yeah. Yeah, they, they, they're they, still they, trying they, to fine-tune it. They were panned it. on it, and uh, Too they're, much time they're for trying that. to fix it. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. All right, time now for a quick break. We'll be right back and wrap things up for today's In Wheel Time. Starting to work on your Christmas calendar? Be sure to add the next Tailpipes and Tacos cruise-in Saturday, December 17th. You'll want to attend Tailpipes and Tacos Christmas Edition at the Loopy Tortilla in Katy, 8 to 11 a.m. It's the only place cruisers compete for Loopy's Chili Pepper trophies and other prizes. There's no charge to enter your vehicle for Best Hot Rod, Best Classic, or Best Modern Classic. Tailpipes and Tacos is Houston's coolest and most unique cruise-in and is your opportunity to see the best hot rods, show cars, classics, and resto mods and get Loopy Tortilla Breakfast Tacos with adult beverages. There's no entry fee and cars will automatically compete for those much sought-after custom Loopy trophies and other prizes. It happens at the Loopy Tortilla Tex-Mex in Katy on the Grand Parkway at Kingsland Boulevard, just south of I-10. It's the Tailpipes and Tacos Christmas Edition, Saturday, December 17th. The in-wheel time car talk show will be there, too. Celebrate the Christmas season with friends and family at Tailpipes and Tacos. Saturday morning, December 17th, 8 to 11. We'll see you then, weather permitting. Want to take a minute to tell you about Gulf Coast Auto Shield, a Houston detail company like no other. Gulf Coast Auto Shield offers paint correction services that will give your car, truck, or SUV a like-new shine. Afterwards, you'll want to protect it with a professionally installed nano-ceramic coating or protection film. Worried about your very expensive windshield getting damaged, broken, or cracked? Let Gulf Coast Auto Shield install ExoShield, a windshield protection film. Give John Gray a call today or check out their website, gcautoshield.com. Hey, whether you own a new, ultra-expensive, exotic, or a five-year-old Suburban, Gulf Coast Auto Shield will help keep your investment looking like the day it rolled off the assembly line. 
Gulf Coast Auto Shield is conveniently located on the South Sam Houston Parkway, just south of I-69, the Southwest Freeway. Meet the staff and check out all of their services online right now at gcautoshield.com. The In-Wheel Time Car Talk Show is now part of the iHeart family. Now you'll have access to 24-7 Car Talk anytime you need a fix. Just download the iHeartRadio app and ask for In-Wheel Time Car Talk, and there we are. Be sure to save us in your iHeart library for instant access. No matter where you are, you have the best car talk show right on your PC, laptop, or mobile device and never have to worry about finding us again. Of course, you can always get access to our video and audio streams via InWheelTime.com and your favorite podcast channel, and all of this is free to you. From the iHeartRadio app, you'll not only hear our Saturday morning live show, but the best shows of the past, updated weekly. Never miss a minute of up-to-date new car reviews, pre-owned reviews, Conrad's Car Clinic, informative interviews, automotive news, and the most fun car talk show on the planet. Just download the iHeartRadio app, search for In Real Time Car Talk, save it to your library, and with a tap of the icon, you'll be in touch with your favorite car talk team. In Real Time Car Talk, streaming now on iHeart.com slash In Real Time Car Talk. Well, that's a wrap for this week's In Real Time Car Talk show. When you're online, check out our Facebook page, give us a like, tell your friends about us, and share our junk if you would, please. You'll get Conrad's Unicorn Hunting features along with all things automotive all week long for free. Including what? new car reviews, upcoming events, cruise ends, racing events, and other goodies. You can find the In Wheel Time Car Talk Show 24-7 on the iHeartRadio app. In Wheel Time can also be heard and seen live on Facebook, YouTube, and on InWheelTime.com every Saturday, 8 to 11 Central. 30-minute podcasts are available from your favorite podcast provider seven days a week. The In Wheel Time chief engineer is David Ainsley. Our marketing advertising manager and video technical director is We Need More, Jeff Zekin. For booking agent and podcast editor, Mike Mars, and Mr. Know-It-All, his royalty, King Conrad DeLong, I'm Don Armstrong. Today's In Wheel Time Car Talk Show was produced by Herman and Lily Munster. Very good. Be sure to join us for the next three-hour In Wheel Time Car Talk Show. That's the live one, Saturday, November 5th, 2022, starting at 8 a.m. Central Time on all of our In Wheel Time Car Talk outlets right here on the Smoke and Mirrors Network. Have a great, safe Halloween weekend. Until next time, car lovers.